tuned in to Higher Frequency. Oh yeah. Welcome to episode 11, uh, or 12, I can't remember which one, of the Luchadors of Liberty podcast. I'm Robert Vincent, Dimitri Nanos, co-host, and special guest and fellow libertarian in the Mises Caucus, fellow Meacock, Elijah Gizzarelli. Did, did I pronounce that right? Yeah, that was great. All right, great. All right, we're in. We're, we're in the episode officially we've been chatting it up for about an hour anyway (laughs) so we haven't been here uh in like a month so we're gonna go over some current events and and just basically do a little catch-up do a luchadors of liberty catch-up here so um when was the last time we did an episode probably feb no no it's been more than a month (laughs) it's been more than a month and (laughs) Of all the years to pick to just not do any episodes, we had to pick 2020. So a lot of shit has happened. <laughs> um, uh, so we have, we covered, we, did we cover the Soleimani assassination? Yeah, we talked about Soleimani. I think we talked about, if not, I wrote a paper on it and I'll link it to this. You can see my view on that. And uh, obviously we're against it, you know. Drone, drone Targeted assassinations. assassinations in foreign countries. Not really a big thing on our list. Not a big thing for libertarians. Okay, so... Ma- oh! Oh, no! Oh, my God! He just out-luchadored us. <laughs> no! Oof, on our own show, too. God, I want... I, I, got, I got another one over here, too, actually. Got him in Mexico, actually. I was going to order some <laughs> for us, because... The only reason we're called the Luchadors is purely for the alliteration. There's no other reason. <laughs> uh, and it's kind of like a knockoff of the Lions of Liberty. I don't know if you've heard that podcast. It, I like the I like that podcast too, but I like the alliteration. Mm. Um, anyway, so BLM wave hit the country, and uh, and we can actually get in get into this if you want to. Uh, tweet by tweet and this is the first tweet so the, the main reason we're having Elijah on is is because he uh, has taken some heat from fellow Meekox for being basically if you, if you mind this language being for Joe Jorgensen's two tweets that have spurred up some controversial uh, feelings amongst libertarians right and this first tweet is exactly it is not enough to be passively not racist we must be actively anti-racist and so uh, this is the tweet that i am okay with there is another tweet i'm not okay with and demetrios is not okay with either so we have all three <laughs> different uh, different opinions and so uh, why why is this tweet okay I, I think we should we should probably start off since we're the ones tagging it, just like you would in yeah any any courtroom. The people who are asserting should be the ones who have to make their statement first. Okay, uh, so, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you start. Well, my my main issue with it is just the definition. Uh, a lot of words are used without using the proper definition nowadays, anyway. But I feel like with with that sort of language, you have to be a bit particular because you can find yourself in a bit of a rut 
if you're using the exact same language as the movement and not kind of creating your own definition for it. Uh, is that it? Yeah, that, that's pretty much my, my only issue with it. The, when you use the term anti-racist, if you're, you either explain what anti-racist means or you adopt the definition used by the movement. And she didn't really do either of those things. All right. And so I think that's kind of fair for the tweet. Um, what I would say is you did you did say like proper definitions of things. And I did. I think this is kind of like a, more of a geeky uh, topic to come up with. But like it's like nobody gets to say what a word means. Right. Uh, language is a tool that we use together. Right. To communicate. And so if I have my definition of a word and you have your definition of a word, and neither one of us will budge. We just can never communicate properly. Right. So um, that's why, like, at usually structured debates, you start off by defining terms. Right. Like debate club. Yeah. Right. So so everybody's on the same page. When I use this word in this debate, it means X. Right. Politics isn't a debate club, though. I know it's like fashioned like a debate club. Right. Like it's like a, a big pony, like like circus kind of thing. Right. But it's not actually debate. It's rhetoric. Right. We're not actually looking to have um a coherent logical conversation and i think libertarians when we have our political conversations it's coherent and logical and we try to find the truth of the matter but national politics is just not that animal right and so um by defining what she means by anti-racism in a tweet where you have limited characters and everything it would be really tedious right and to the point where most people would not want to read her long diatribe of what she means by it. That said, um, she actually, it was a quote taken from her, from her speech at the National Convention. I don't know if you saw her speech at the National Convention. I was actually told about it afterwards, which is, oh, okay. which is why I've kind of like pulled back a little bit, because <laughs> I understand what she means by it. I just... It, it, she could satisfy both me and the people she's actually attempting to satisfy by tweeting that all by just putting it in context. Hmm. So, Maybe not using the actively anti-racist phrase. Yeah. Well, right. so here's uh, first off, I love the using the actively anti-racist phrase because like, so for instance, like the people that are upset, right? One is I think that we're, we can be a little bit too critical of the best candidate in every single race, right? So for instance, like Maj Ture is a great example of this. He's like a Mekok guy, like Mekok generally loves him, right? But Maj Ture caught a lot of flack, right? And it's yeah. like, from libertarians. And it's like, bro, like one, like Maj knows me. I've had dinner with Maj, right? Like <laughs> I volunteered for his campaign and I felt a little bit mistreated. I don't talk about that publicly ever. Right, but I'll talk about it in this circle just to make this point where it's like I probably had some of the most reason to talk trash, but I didn't, right? Because Maj Ture was the best person running for city council in Philadelphia by far, right? Like it wasn't even close. But did you hear any negative things from libertarians about all the people he was running against? No, <laughs> they only hammered the best person in the contest, right? And it's like that's if you're if you're criticizing the most libertarian person all the time, you are actually fighting against libertarianism's growth. You are not fighting for it, right? Mm -hmm. So by attacking Joe publicly, 
right? You are attacking the most libertarian person in the presidential race. And therefore, it's like, even though she's not perfect, right? And we can have this conversation internally. This is kind of like an internal podcast. Right? Oh, yeah. I don't know too many Democrats or Republicans are going to do like luchadors of liberty, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully, eventually, right? But, you know, this is kind of an internal podcast, so we can talk critically of it, right? In this kind of circle. On the the Mises Caucus page, it's cool to talk critically. When people start posting things publicly or coming out publicly and making these big statements about... It makes us look bad. It does. And by the way, like I was Adam Kokesh's campaign manager. Right. He would tweet things that I would cringe at and then I would be on my text message with him, like yelling at him for it. Right. But mm-hmm. I never talked about that publicly with people because, one, it spread the <laughs> I didn't like around. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. How many more people have learned about this anti-racism tweet because the people that didn't like the messaging for it spread the messaging for it? I mean, I can see people from outside of libertarianism uh, who, who know being actively anti-racist to be what it has traditionally meant. I think Joe did a good job and actually is pretty clever to try to hijack the term basically. Yes. And, and given the content, we'll play the, we'll play the um, clip where she said it, but yeah, yeah, you can share it. And, and um, in the context in which she said it, hijacking it in somewhat of a libertarian way. And that's why being at the convention and hearing that and hearing people cheer, uh, everyone was cheering. I think that's when she ended the, the speech, right? I think that's about when she, that was like towards the end of her speech. Towards the end. I don't know if that's how she ended it. Right. But people cheered for, for that. And you'll probably hear it in the, in the video, but there wasn't that many naysayers there. I think on Twitter where you have an instant reaction and you have people who in the liberty movement know what that means and don't like what it means traditionally. Um, they kind of jumped the gun a little bit too early, I think, on this one. But I can also see where they're coming from in that we don't want to push this um, Marxist progressive progressivism um, that the BLM stands for. There's, there's something that we like. We don't want police brutality. We don't mm-hmm. want, you know, qualified immunity. There's some things that we're for, but mostly we don't want to support Marxism. And that's, that's the most important thing to me. <clears throat> Demetrius, do you have a response for that? Cause I do have like, if you want to piggyback off of something. Uh, no, I'm, I'm fully in agreement. I, yeah. I think it's good to hijack the term and, kind of twist it in our own way because that's pretty much what every other group does they take a word and they spin it and so she could have done it a lot better is what is what you're saying well, if you're gonna when somebody's already hijacked the word like blm already took the word it, if you're going to use it you better explain to you know the people who actually care about that kind of stuff why you're using that word and how you're using it. We're going to be the ones who are going to be critical, which is why she needs to explain to people like me and you. We're the base. How she's using it. Well, I would. I think that there's some nuance there because, like, so for instance, um, like libertarian socialists, right? Um, they use the term socialism. A beautiful oxymoron. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> If you actually talk to some of those guys, they're pretty good. Um, but anyway, so but if you like, uh, like their 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 messaging's terrible within the LP because they're taking a word socialism that means something really strongly. But that's not what Joe did. She used the term anti-racist, which 
some people in a very small percentage of the population would get triggered by because they associate it with Marxism, right? But it's not like she didn't say we got to be Marxists. She said yeah. we got to be anti-racist. Anti-racist, it's right? Not the same term, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now you it may be associated with Marxists. Why it, I wouldn't call it hijacking, right? Um, we need to come up with a better term. That is what we're doing. In play, <laughs> it's but, spinning um, it, if you want to say it's, it's, spinning it's, it's, it. Spinning it. Yeah, it's spinning it. Reclaiming the term, right? So, so I don't think she's reclaiming that. There's a far, there's more of them than there are us, frankly. Like no, but that, that, that's okay, right? So, like for instance, Black Lives Matter stuff. I think it's very important. Libertarians go come out strongly and use the hashtag Black Lives Matter all the time as much as possible. Mm. And it's not because I'm a Marxist. I hate Marxists which is exactly why we need to do it. Because if not, you're putting out the message to all these people who are undereducated about civics that Marxists are the only people who care about black lives, Mm. right? So I am brazenly libertarian, but I am also brazenly pro-Black Lives Matter because it lets people know, oh, I don't have to be a Marxist to care about black people getting killed in the street, right? And, and by saying we have to be anti-racist, right, that's another way that Joe is reclaiming that term. She's reclaiming, she's attacking Marxists by using that term because she's very clearly not a Marxist. Right. So anybody who's going to hear her say anti-racist, they're going to look her up and they're going to learn, oh, look, here's somebody who's anti-racist, however you want to define that, and we can define that a million different ways, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's some, but it's, again, we're not talking about a logical conversation. It's a rhetorical conversation because it's politics. Um, it's possible it would be both, right? It's yeah. possible it would be both, but, you yeah. know, kind of tough to balance that line sometimes. Right. Um, I mean, it is, but we do it every day as libertarians, <laughs> balancing a lot of different things. But let's let's hear it from Joe herself and, and hear that context, mm-hmm. if you're ready to yeah, share. Yeah. Uh, because when she said it, I was like, okay, that makes sense. So Being the original context of the video. While millions of Americans view the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution with great pride, Black Americans are reminded that their ancestors were in shackles for another century when these founding documents were signed. The same men who promised freedom did not extend those freedoms to black men, women, and children. Guarantees of liberty and justice for all ring hollow for black Americans who saw slavery replaced with black codes, Jim Crow, and now a long list of institutions and programs that are too many to name. As libertarian columnist and researcher Jonathan Blanks has stated, it is not enough to be passively not racist. We must be actively anti-racism. So there you go. Um, and what's beautiful about that is... While millions of oops. Americans view the Declaration of Independence... And what's beautiful about that is everything that she named about racism was all government action, right? So it's all government stuff that we can, as libertarians, we can all look and be like, yeah, that was wrong. Yes, that was wrong. Yes, that, she's not talking about people not baking cakes, right? She's <laughs> she's talking about the government wrong, like systematically uh, going after a specific race, right? Mm-hmm. So that to me, I think, is a really strong way to reshape the conversation about racism, 
right? Um, and I'm very happy that she's taken on the task, and I think that she is doing a very good job of it. Um, Got it. Well, listening to that, it's like the third time I've listened to it because I, I'm one of those people who dissect every word of a speech. The one of the things that was different from the tweet from her actual speech that threw me off was the fact that in the last word of her tweet, it says anti-racist. And in her speech, she says anti-racism, which to me looked like two completely different things. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't really see that. Could you flush that out maybe? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, so... With with anti-racist, I just see the term that's been hijacked by the market, the Marxists. But with anti-racism, I see that as more of like uh, against the concept rather than against the action. I think we're nitty picking here at this point. Absolutely, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that's that's what we do. It's okay. No, that's what we do. No, I, I, when you described it like that, I can I can hear the difference in my head. Um, I don't. I wouldn't. Again, look. It isn't like everything Joe does is gold, right? Like, I don't think that, I, I mean, I think she's fantastic. Um, I love Joe, don't get me wrong. But it's like, she's a human being. She's going to make some mistakes. She's going to do some things not as well as other things, right? Um, so it's like, it's okay to be critical of it. What I find abhorrent, actually, is when people claim that they're fighting for liberty and they're really fighting against one of the biggest movements to push liberty forward right now, right? Which is Joe Jorgensen's presidential campaign. Mm -hmm. like this, the biggest centerpiece of the liber liberty movement on earth right now, right? Yeah. It just is. And I'm so, not gonna say there's nothing she could do to make me hop off the train because there are some things, but I don't think this amounts to that, you know? And exactly. a lot of people are hopping off the train. Yeah, and, and I, to me, like, I'm like, okay, like, that's fine. If, if Joe doesn't excite you, hop off the train, like, but do it quietly. Otherwise, you're not an activist, right? You're yeah. activists. You're just activating against the progression of liberty, right? Because well, the more Joe gets out there, the more successful Joe Jorgensen is, the faster the needle gets pushed towards liberty, right? This, this isn't something that, like, is a complete turnoff for me with Joe. It's... I'm not going to be the one to go out on Twitter and say, this is the worst tweet in the history of tweets maybe ever. <laughs> but I will talk to you know my libertarian friends, be like, hey, man, this seemed a little off. What do you think? And that that's where I think that that's where you have positive change within a party. When you can talk to your fellow party members and be like, hey, do you see what's wrong with this? And have like discourse over that mm. and then make that change internally. Like you were saying earlier, I don't think we need to take to Twitter and take to Facebook and, you know, blow up Joe's campaign because she's doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, and it's honestly, it's like, well, what, what kind of energy are you spending right now? Like, so for like, I came up with this term because I reckon once I start getting involved in internal libertarian party politics, I realized that there's this large segment of people that spend more time just criticizing what everybody else is doing and they just don't do stuff. <laughs> right? And maybe if they do stuff, they might do some stuff, but it's like very little energy spent in a like compared to the massive amount of energy they spend 
sowing discord within the party, right? And it's like, well, you look at our teachers. I mean, Rothbard, Mises, and Hayek weren't exactly the the people. To, yeah. You know, they questioned everything. Yeah. It's almost as though you know people feel very strongly about libertarianism, right? So, yeah. who would have thought? But sometimes your emotions get in the way of best actions. So I've come up with a term. I was like, we need to make this socially unacceptable. So I've invented a term. It's called hecklertarian. Hecklertarian. So it's somebody who spends more time criticizing the activism of others than they do in their own activism. See also cunts. And that's, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> that's, that's good. What bothers me is people who uh, brought me into the liberty, but not brought me in um, specifically, but, you know, were a part of bringing me into the liberty, liberty movement, like, like um, Dave Smith and Michael Heise, um, are very against tweets like this. And, mm-hmm. and I can see where they're coming from. I really can. I'm just not hopping off the train yet. Yeah. I mean, it's look, it's, I think that a lot of, and again, I don't want to speak for them. I'd rather, I'd rather have a back and forth with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or, I, would, like, I would too. I would, I, not that I don't enjoy this back and forth, but it's like, it's like, look, like, why do you feel so like you guys seem like you're kind of more reasonable towards like my argument right where their reasoning is sound like yeah, i listen I to them and why they don't like it though. their reasoning is sound i want to know why they wouldn't be receptive to it and mm-hmm. i think it has to do with i some people are more like they see this more as like a culture war and um i i think that the culture war is kind of like a false dichotomy it's like well you got these cultural marxists versus like you know the conservatives and like you know like, even though the Republicans aren't that great, you know, like, but like they see that as like a cultural, like, link. And I don't know. I that, think that's a huge part of it. I, I really do. I do. Th- I really I, don't, I, though. I, I think it is. <laughs> I, have a, I have a very good friend who's a communist, like openly communist, you know, huge fan of Karl Marx. And him and I will agree on everything to the point of who has to fix the problem. Because we'll look at it and we'll say, here's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. And he's like, you need more government. And I'm like, you need less government. And I think that that's the easiest way to get people on board with you is to just say, hey, look, we, we see this. This is an issue. We have a way of solving it. Why don't you listen? It's just that one way of solving it involves basically massive cleansing of everyone who doesn't think that way. <laughs> so I think it's a huge deal. <laughs> but I don't want to get hung up on on clash of civilizations right now um i want to get back on topic i no, let's go yeah. back to the agenda here yeah i i i want to i want to try to move on from this because we do have a lot more but it, it seems like we're all on the same page on this i i think joe did a good job here i think um maybe whoever's handling her twitter has been taking a lot of heat lately though maybe yeah. she could maybe she could handle her own twitter for a little bit but she's very active on twitter um, it seems like most of the stuff on there is more good than bad. We're talking about two tweets within a month's span that people are offended by. She, she tweets like 12 times a day. Like, right. Yeah. And, and retweets stuff. So people can get mad at those two. If they want. I'll take a, I'll take a two out of a hundred shot. I'd say that that's pretty good compared to the other candidates. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So after BLM, and everything that went on with that, we we got to talk about the coronavirus and 
basically lockdowns and and things like this. And I think I love Tom Woods, as do most Mises Meekocks. Mises Meekocks. Yeah. Yeah. So so I watched his uh, talk at I think it was Mises University about the, is the fact free um, fact free virus or fact free pandemic, and it was great. And D, you broke this down into basically a cost benefit analysis, yeah. which is great. Um, to me, I think that's what it's going to have to be for now. You know, I I wear my mask. I, Elijah and I were talking before the podcast. I I wear my mask. Um, for other people and it's kind of like the shopping cart theory to me you know you take the shopping cart that's the exact mask i have yeah you got <laughs> you guys you get that from thomas um tom quitter quitter yeah. is that how to pronounce it yeah ne- never quitter quieter um, <laughs> yeah that's he was passing out masks at the national convention he's a great guy we should uh, i i i should reach out to him he actually liked the podcast um on facebook mm-hmm. today so maybe we can yeah, get definitely him on here. If, if you're listening to this, go to tomfor52.com, donate to the dude. He's in a, he's in a partisan two-person race. The Democrats are already supporting him because he's going up against a Republican incumbent in New York who is cozy with uh, Cuomo and uh, in caucuses with Democrats. So it's a totally winnable race. And the guy who got star power, he's a really funny guy. Um, That'd be a really fun podcast to do is sit down and go over a bunch of the libertarian candidates from around the country. That would, that would, be, be, that would be just fun. kind of plug everybody who's who's in the race. That's, that's an idea. Let's fit that in between studying for the bar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um one thing I wanted to go over is uh Broward County here in Florida uh basically has a mask ordinance where you can be charged with a misdemeanor for not wearing your mask in your own house. And this is, this is just too far. I I don't know. Like, I don't know what else to say besides whoever is on your city council is a Nazi. Like (laughs) that is, that is what is happening right now. It's max of the stamp act. A lot of people don't realize that the stamp act wasn't just like you use stamps for the post office. The stamp act was, is, any paper you had in your house had to have a stamp that you paid for. That was a picture of the king, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so soldiers could just walk into your house and be a, and go ransack it looking for papers without a stamp on it, right? Um, that's why it's not. It's max of the stamp act. How do you know? enforce this? Are yeah. are people going to be looking in your house? Are the police going to be looking in your house like peeping talk? Can't we use them in a better way? You know, like. It, if we're going to have police here, it, should they be really looking at people's houses to make sure they're wearing masks? No, it, it, it's just terrible. It's a terrible, terrible law, terrible way to enforce uh, and terrible way to influence people to wear masks. This makes people this not want to against wear statutory masks. law in the first place. I don't think statutes should exist. Everything should be handled by the people. It, th- this is this mm-hmm. is what happens when you put somebody in power that has the ability to write a law and they run on the fact that I've put into place 50 different laws. They don't affect your life really until they do. And you end up with dumb stuff. Like you can't sit in your house without a mask. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. 
and and uh, Thomas Massey um, came on Tom Woods podcast, I think, a couple of days ago. Um, he's a Republican, obviously, but he has a lot of libertarian leaning views. And he was saying something that really um, struck a note with me is that a lot of these governors are using the equivalent of executive power, just making law, which is not of the form of republic that people of these states are guaranteed. You're guaranteed to have a vote on things. You're not guaranteed to have a dictator over your own state. Well, and it's, it's totally hypocritical too, right? So um, like uh, in Rhode Island, for instance, uh, the, the chair of the Libertarian Party of Rhode Island, Pat Ford, um, he goes to a press conference where Gina Raimondo, our, our governor's up there telling everybody how dangerous it is to, to go out and stuff and to still try to stay at home as, as, as much as possible. And then he like raises his hand. He's like, well, governor, um, I represent like the Libertarian Party and the government of Rhode Island is forcing us to get a thousand signatures to get on the ballot here. Like, could you waive that? Because, or, or you're asking us to go and reach out to thousands of people, right? <laughs> and they yeah. were like, oh no, go screw, screw you guys. <laughs> you still have to go out <laughs> public and go, or go door to door and, and come in contact with thousands of people. Cause you got to talk to three or four people before one person will sign it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you need yeah. more than a thousand in case they challenge you. So we're literally talking about contacting 10,000 people, right? Like, she has no answer for that. Probably, she probably doesn't want to answer that. That's yeah. that's one of those questions yeah. where she she'd be like, "Next, <laughs> I don't really want to answer." Total um, right. Um. So I I just I'm ready for this whole pandemic to be over. Really, yeah. it's taking college football away from me. It's taking sports in general. I I just I'm just done with it. I don't really want to talk about it anymore. It's it's been so politicized. And you shouldn't politicize a virus. This is this is another point we wanted to hit. Um, do you have a point on this? Because I know you wanted to talk about this a lot, D, how the media and each side, both left and right, have politicized the virus. Yeah, it, it, it seems just a little unnecessary. And like I was saying with my, my cost-benefit analysis for it, it, it doesn't have to be handled by the government. People can make that. We make those analyses every day when we go to Walmart. You know you're going to see, you know, an 800-pound woman that could have salmonella growing on her back, and uh, you might you might come into contact with her, and you make that risk assessment when you walk into Walmart. Well, those those kind of those kind of girls in my side. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So he's more likely to catch the salmonella. Um, You make those every day. There's no reason the government has to do it for you. It's not all I'm making. Yeah, I mean. a story I like to tell people is I, I have a tale of two grandparents, right? So um, when the coronavirus hit, uh, both of my grandparents uh, that are still alive, um, separate sides of my family, uh, had cancer, right? And it's like my my grandfather on my dad's side, um, he he had like really late stage terminal bladder cancer. So did it make sense for me to not go see my grandfather? Absolutely not. He was probably going to die during the coronavirus, which he did. He died like a couple months ago, right? So was his existence supposed to be one of like that the last days of his life was going to be him like being a hermit in his house? No, that was horrible, right? Like, but if, you know, so I would actually go and visit him and we talked about it beforehand, like two adults 
made a decision. Oh my God. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then my other grand, my, my other grandparent though, my grandmother on my mom's side, uh, she had lung cancer, right? Well, she still does. Right. But she's not expected to pass from it at least immediately. So it doesn't make sense for me to put her at risk. So I haven't seen my grandmother since this whole thing started. I've seen her like through a window, like, you know, but like, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. difficult, man. I'm you know, sorry. But, I'm sorry. You have to go through that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I'm not doing this for sympathy. It's to, to illustrate a point. Like, mm-hmm. um, I appreciate it though. Um, it's like, it's like nobody can make these decisions, but the people that actually have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right. There's and no class. Like Tom would say, there's no class a doctor goes to, to tell you how to live your life best. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And not to my granddad died and they brought him back because he was in a very bad situation, you know, in the hospital, we weren't allowed to go see him. We had to go buy a phone and uh, basically give it to him. And he doesn't know how to work a phone that well in the first place, let alone while he's drugged up. And uh, it was one of the saddest things to not, if he were to die, not be able to be by his side. Yeah. And that's a, that's a similar situation with funeral homes and all that too. Um, but I let, let's move on real quick. Cause I know D has to, has to go. He's, he's keeping people up in a hotel room. So, um, we'll, t- we'll talk about the Kamala Harris tweet. Um, the newest tweet right. and we can come back to, um, the coronavirus maybe if we have time. So, so the newest tweet that Joe has sent out is, um, I'm glad that Joe Biden has brought another woman into the race. The vice presidency shouldn't be a boys club. When I think about the millions of girls and young women across America, I think they deserve a voice this year when it comes to the top job in the country. Hashtag elections. All right. I'm, I'm just going to take this and, and just rephrase it for you. All right. I'm going to change up a few words and tell me if you still like how it sounds. Okay. All right. I'm glad that Joseph Goebbels brought another Austrian into the race. The vice presidency shouldn't be a Germans only club. When I think of the millions of Austrians and young women across America, I think they are across Germany. I think they deserve a voice this year when it comes to the top job in the country. Who am I talking about? You're talking about Austrians. (laughs) Yes, because pretty much you could put anything in there. I was talking about Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. You can put anyone's name in there. And that, that tweet is just what it is. It's empty. I don't really have an issue with it. Okay. Because no, I mean, put, it is empty. You're right. I mean, it's, well, it's not empty. really empty. Actually. I actually, I actually love this tweet. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I love it. Like, like not even a little bit. I think it was fantastic. And, um, and I'll tell you why. I mean, I feel like this kind of went over people's heads. I don't know if they read it like this, but it's like she's clearly implying that she should that if you care about like women having a voice, then you should check her out. You know, like she's saying, like, look, like she's obviously she's a she's a higher billing. She's running for president. Kamala Harris is running for vice president. And she's like, look, like girls, first off, this is just girls don't see women as a president, right? So that is different than a boy's like upbringing, right? Now you can say whether or not it's right or wrong. And I can, and we can say like, look, the person who's the best person for the job should get the job. 
but it doesn't change the fact that uh, for a little girl growing up, she doesn't get to see somebody like her be president ever, right? Whereas guys, we just can't like see that, right? Um, what's his face? Uh, Aziz Ansari, he brought that up with uh, Indians, right? He yeah. was like, look, like there were no Indians. He was like, there was one Indian guy and he was in a short circuit, right? And then he found out that that was a guy in brown face. And he was like so upset, like it wasn't even a real Indian, but that was his idol, right? Because that's who he, he wanted to be a movie star, but there were no Indian movie stars that he could look up to, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, this is a similar situation with girls. If you want to be president as a little girl, you have nobody right now that you can look at and be like, they did it, so I can do it, right? So I'm not true. saying that that's, that's like a huge deal that we need to right now vote in a woman president. If we are going to do it, we should definitely do it this cycle. But, um, but like the point is, I see what you did there. That was good. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> right. So, but if like, so she is bringing that she's, she's stirring those emotions in women that would love to see a woman be president. And she's basically putting herself over Kamala Harris by doing it. So it's, I would have liked it, her tweets flip, about though. Kamala Harris, but the subtext is all about Joe Jorgensen, which is yeah. why I love the tweet. But the subtext isn't the part that's scream, screaming at me. And this is why I hate it. It's because it's about Kamala Harris. Like, I don't care if it's a woman. I don't care if it's a grasshopper, if it's, if it's a blue whale, if it's, if it's a dinosaur. I don't care. If that, whatever it is, has done the things that Kamala Harris has done, it doesn't matter. You have brought someone terrible into the race. And the fact that she's saying she's glad it's identity politics in a bad way there could be identity politics in a good way but to me the woman that you're talking about has to be at least somewhat decent but you know like kamala is not somewhat decent in my book i understand that no she's trash right uh, <laughs> but like so all right there's also room for graciousness here right so it's perfectly reasonable when somebody gets such an honor as a VP nod that you congratulate them. And that's what this tweet is designed to be, except for she could have just said congratulations to Kamala Harris on being a, now there are some libertarians that are more aggressive and would just be like, I'd rather just the big F you tweet. And it's like, okay, I guess I don't think it's going to win you too many friends sometimes. Right. Some people like to see graciousness and a big part of Joe's campaign is she's trying to position herself to be the adult in the room. Adults in the room in politics are gracious people. You congratulate people when they get something like that, right? So not only did she congratulate her in a gracious way, but she did it in a very sneaky way where she actually put herself in this great position in the subtext of the the tweet, which is why I love it. I think it's like a genius tweet. Then she follows up with these tweets I was going to talk. About, I was. I was going to talk about the follow-ups too. Oh, okay. Okay. If you want, follow-ups should have been first. Yeah. I wish the follow-ups were first. I'll, I'll let you do it. I'll let you do it. Since but, you then, but then it's not gracious, right? So you you ruin the graciousness of the uh, congratulatory tweet, right? Right. I I I want to say one thing about the initial tweet again. One more thing. The just by saying that she's glad that Joe Biden has brought another woman to the race and being gracious. I, I can get that where politics officially you should be more professional, right? But I think that's not the libertarian position. I think the libertarian position is no, I don't like you. I don't like you at all. And I definitely don't like what you've done in a governmental capacity. And 
for women to look up to Kamala Harris to me should be a bad thing if she's, a, you know, just for her being a woman. But it's not about looking up to the person. It's just having. Having a person to, to look up to just because of the gender. You like in the position is it's a little bit different. I mean, it's. Look, she's not sent, telling people to support Kamala Harris on the tweet. No, not telling people to support Kamala Harris. Right. Like, and that's basically what people have been accusing her of is like, you're, you're trying to like talk nice. It's like, no, it's a gracious tweet of congratulating somebody for being bestowed a great honor. Okay. And she somehow managed to overshadow the person that she's ingratiating with herself and be like, so I'm really the story here though. Right. Mm -hmm in a very respectable way, right? Like, and and so to, yeah, we all know as libertarians how bad of a person Kamala Harris is, right? Um, but like, there are a bunch of people who don't think she's that bad, right? And by coming out and just being like, screw you, screw you, one, you seem like a petulant child that's just trying to F you everything. And she's trying to come out off as the adult in the room. And then two, it's like you're not winning any friends by being like, like you know, aggressive. I don't think I don't think I want to win win those friends. I don't want to win that that side though. I want to win another side who passionately hates the things Kamala Harris has done. Can I come in on the middle on this one? Okay. <laughs> so, what I brought up earlier, where I was saying that the tweet could be is meaning meaningless and empty, and where I use that Hitler example is where I think you two find your difference. So Robert says it doesn't matter who it's, or it matters who it's about because it's Kamala Harris. Well, yeah, it matters because she's a terrible person, sure. And we don't want people looking up to terrible people, i.e. Hitler. Nobody wants anyone looking up to Hitler. He was a terrible guy. Everyone knows that. I think where we can find our common ground is the fact that everyone knows that Kamala Harris is inherently a bad person. Even Democrats. Even Democrats. <laughs> even Democrats. Yeah. Everyone agrees she's a bad person. A lot of people don't like her as the VP pick. Even a lot of Democrats don't like her as the VP pick. My grandparents, I know, don't like her as the VP pick. And they're both Democrats. So I think that where we can find our common ground is in the second tweet. And the, the fact that Joe can tweet this safely and say, hey, young women need someone to look up to and have that subtext of, hey, look up to me because right, Kamala let's, Harris let's is a terrible the, person. Let's get to the <laughs> get to the follow-ups because the follow-ups, I'm like, yeah, that's what I want more of. Yeah. And she did it. She so, did do it. Here so go. she said, satisfied us by. and satisfied him. Sorry, I said followed by um, Harris has an abhorrent record as a prosecutor, as a senator. Biden enabled her by passing uh, draconian racist laws that resulted in the incarceration of millions of minorities. Biden said he wanted someone philosophically aligned with himself for a VP pick, and he got it. So that's that's a nail. That's a home run tweet. Can we talk about that? Let's talk about that. Let's not just because of her one bad tweet and or maybe her two bad tweets, however you want to see it. Um, don't don't hop off the train. <laughs> Let's not hop off the train. Yeah. You know, I, I want more stuff like this, though. I don't I don't want in any way saying I'm glad he picked Kamala Harris. That's, I mean, 
Joe Biden himself is a terrible candidate, though. So being like, well, Kamala Harris even said that. I wish we could talk more about. <laughs> yeah. it. We, we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that in another yeah. episode. I, I want to talk about it with you, but yeah, go ahead. Um, did you want me to keep going off of that? Uh, that kind of that line of thought there. Yeah, yeah. It's like okay, all right. So, <laughs> I thought that you were cutting me off. All right, I guess. Right, so. Um, <laughs> No, 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 but like Biden himself is a terrible candidate. So like, it doesn't matter who he picks. It's like, you don't have to talk about how terrible people are all the time. Like you don't have to, like you don't have to have this carry around this poison that you're just spitting in everybody's face. You can act like a, you can like control your demeanor and like, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a word. I can't think of it, but it's like poise yourself to make the statements that you need to make methodically in order to change other people's minds. Now, we can argue all day like, well, it would have been better if she said this, or it would have been better if she said this, but that's not really what this overall conversation is about. It's about is the things that she's saying so horrible that we need to publicly scold her or um you know jump ship entirely and it's like no this isn't even close not even close in my i made a post about it on uh the delegate pages um but it's like she could come out and tweet like something like legit first off most of us voted for gary johnson in 2016 gary johnson told people to bake cakes right and he told people i don't want to legalize anything but marijuana like he said that on bill maher right like she's far more libertarian yeah like like, johnson he had all these things. He said, "Told he yelled at somebody not to call them illegal immigrants." And it's like, first off, I'm totally open borders. I still call them illegal immigrants. You're not going to tell me not to, mm-hmm. right? Like, <laughs> um, and it's like he's like yelling, screaming at people. Don't that that's like pandering, weird SJW stuff, right? Like, yeah. if you vote for Gary Johnson in 2016, there's no way you should be upset with Joe Jorgensen in 2020. Like, that's nuts, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or. I mean, you can be upset with certain things, right? I'm not saying don't be upset. What I'm saying is you shouldn't be publicly upset about it. You know, you shouldn't yeah. be on social media, like screaming to the hills about like how terrible it is. And I'm 100% in agreement with you. And I, I don't like that last tweet. So that's that's one thing. You can hate it and yeah. still be on board. Like like you said, criticize it internally, but we have to we have to have a unified base in this. And And I don't care if you don't like it, but... She's the only one that's going to talk about a genocide in Yemen. And she's yeah. the only one that's going to end the war on drugs in this race. So go ahead and vote for Trump or vote for Biden if you want to, or don't vote altogether. But when, you're when not going to help Jorgensen, the liberty movement. When Joe, the only thing that she can put out is a positive statement regarding Kamala Harris, her only redeeming quality is that she's a woman. I think everybody can agree <laughs> that, <laughs> that that's basically what that tweet says. Yeah. I mean, and it's in the context of the tweet, actually, think about it. If Kamala Harris was a male, it would actually be kind of worse for America. Right? Yes. <laughs> if you think about it like that, like the way she's framing it, you know, is I mean, yeah, I mean, it's nice that little girls have somebody at least that looks like them represented on the stage. Right. Um that's and, about where the representation ends, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, you won't get it from Congress, that's for sure. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, so I, I do want to touch 
a little bit on because I have been accused on the the Mises Caucus page of like just wanting party unity. That's not me at all. First off, I don't think that the Libertarian Party is the end all be all of the liberty movement. It's one cog in a very big machine, right? Um, and so if the Libertarian Party doesn't float your boat, I'm not one of those libertarian anarchists, like Libertarian Party anarchists. That's like, if you're an anarchist, you have to vote or you're a loser. I, I don't care. If you don't want to vote as a libertarian, like as an anarchist or whatever, don't vote. You're on my side, at least. I know that. I want to reach, I use the, liberty, the Libertarian Party to specifically reach non-libertarians. So even if Joe Jorgensen was tweeting things that was turning off the base, which I've heard a lot, right? It's like, that's fine. You're already libertarians. Like, like you're on our side. We're not looking to get more of you. Like we're not, we're, Joe Jorgensen's campaign isn't trying to make you libertarian harder, right? It's, it's, it's trying to get people that have not heard this message to open their ears, right? Mm-hmm. And, and pay attention. And in order to do that, you got to do things. If you want to reach people you've never reached before, you have to do things you've never done before. And maybe saying things like anti-racist or um, saying like, hey, or pointing out the fact that, you know, trans people are being murdered, like the spike tweet that got a little Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? It's like, it's like, yeah, it's okay. We don't mm-hmm. like the fact that trans people get murdered just because they're trans. Like, right. we all agree, that's not good, right? And mm-hmm. all we have to do is tell people that like out loud and then people will be like oh look these guys aren't that bad hey they're not they're not all right <laughs> <other ideas. laughs> yeah. one, one of my friends actually made a really good point i had uh i had a really good friend of mine get yelled at by um, a trans couple because he didn't realize that the male the female who had transitioned to male you just couple, called him a male yeah well he's a <laughs> now he is but my friend didn't realize that there was a trans person in this couple mm-hmm. and it made a statement that pissed him off and they oh. shouted him down and like made him leave the table or whatever. And I talked to another friend of mine who's gay and he was like, his, his exact words, which was, it was beautiful. He says, sometimes the loudest voice isn't the best voice for a movement. Mm-hmm. And that like, that resonated with me. I was like, sometimes just because you're the one shouting the loudest doesn't mean you're saying the best stuff mm-hmm. so I that, that's one thing that you know i want to say i want to say spike cohen has done a great job though on on uh after the tweets from joe jorgensen he always follows up with something that's that's perfect and i love how spike's going about um doing doing that and i think he more represents the mises caucus a little better but i still think joe is a great is a great represent representative of the liberty movement and i don't think we should be hopping off ship right and i think that's the main point that we're all trying to push here which is great so let's um, see i don't have i don't have much more i have we had a lot more but we we uh talked about this so that's fine I, i i just the main takeaway for me is we have bigger fish to fry we we have to end the war on drugs and we have to end the the war, wars overseas. These are the main reasons why I became a libertarian, and I think the best candidate to do that job this election cycle is Joe Jorgensen. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and just just to be like totally clear about this, it's like, look, if 
if Joe Jorgensen does bad stuff, it's like, she does bad stuff. I don't know what to tell you. Like, like some people are genuinely upset. I'm not going to tell you not to be genuinely upset. That's your feelings. I can try to tell you why I'm not upset and maybe try to give you a different way of looking at it. Right. But it's like, look, the, the point is, is if you care about liberty and you care about moving the liberty movement forward, um, reducing government violence in our lives, right? It's like, okay, Joe Jorgensen being as successful as possible has to be on your priorities list. Mm -hmm. So doing anything that's going to eat at that success, like bad mouthing her to her donor base, maybe, um, <laughs> or even if it is closed libertarian circles, just, just being like, just attacking somebody's donor base is kind of rough, right? Her donor and volunteer base is, you know, that's a vicious attack on her campaign. It's, it's going to hinder it, right? Uh, spreading, spreading things that you don't like from them. Like, it's like, it's look, just, it, it, it's not the thing to do. It's two it's tweets. Up. You could have, you could have spent time spreading all, like all the tweets that you love from her, but instead you spread around the tweets that you hated and propagated them into the world. And it's like, if you don't like that messaging, why are you spreading that messaging? Um, I don't get it. Right. So I just think that sometimes we get emotional and then we do things that are against our best interest. If what's in your best interest is moving the Liberty party, the Libertarian party forward, lose, moving the Liberty movement forward and reducing government violence, hopefully to zero at some point. Um, like just get behind the person who's doing the most right now. And that's Joe Jorgensen. Right. Or at least don't stand in her way. And I agree. And I think that's a good note to end on. Um, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Um, we did, what was this, about an hour, about an yeah. hour or so. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. And uh, you're in Rhode Island, right? I am. So if you want to give a shout out to anyone um, who you know is running or give a shout out for yourself and your plug, go ahead and do it. <laughs> to, to, all, to all seven of our listeners, they're, they're great people. I've um, met them all. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I, I, the only person I'm going to give a shout out to right now um, is just Thomas Queter, um, uh, Tom for 52.com. Uh, if you talk to the guy, reach out to him. He got star power. He's the guy in the wheelchair at the national convention. Uh, he's 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 in a really good position to make waves in New York. We can put some gold in the New York State Senate. So I would, I would cry. If if if, yeah. he, if Thomas won out, how cool would that be? It'd be amazing. And that guy has gone through so much just to be in the position he yeah, is. Yeah, every single time somebody says his name, he has to correct them. It's like <laughs> I wouldn't want to live that life. The positive attitude he, <laughs> he, he has in his life is is amazing. It gives yeah. me inspiration. Um, so check us out at Higher Frequency Podcast Network. We're the Luchadors of Liberty. Um, I'm going to get a Luchador uh, mask here soon because you just showed me up with the, with the mask. <laughs> so I got to do that. Um, donate to our Patreon. We don't do anything extra for you now, but if you do, we might. <laughs> That's how it goes. All right. Uh, nice, nice talking to you again. Um, it was nice seeing you at the convention, um, both the Florida one and the national one that got moved. Hopefully we can meet in person. Yeah, Robert. Um, anytime. All right. All right. Peace out. Right.